If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to CMO Moves, the podcast that uncovers the human side of game-changing leaders. Hear their incredible journeys, the moves that they've made, and how they got to become leaders of some of the world's most exciting brands. We hope you enjoy their stories, their advice, and take away some tips and inspiration for your day. Enjoy the show. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey everyone, welcome to CMO Moves. Today we have a special guest. Her name is Elizabeth Price and she is the CMO of Anthropology. Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah, so glad to have you. We are talking to Elizabeth on the heels of a new campaign her team just released ahead of the game for uh, Mother's Day, which we're going to get into and and unpack the creation of that, the learnings and everything that went into it. But before that, Elizabeth, I'm excited to just get to know you a bit better and hear about your journey to becoming CMO of Anthropology and a little bit more about um, your background. So you have been in the in your current role for uh, about two and a half years. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. I joined and- in February of 2020, officially right on the heels of right before we all decided to go into COVID. COVID days. <laughs> I um, love that. Decided yes. to go into COVID. Yeah. Yes. We had no choice, but that's where we landed crazy to me that you we can say oh two and a half years ago that's when this all happened that is insane so you did you have to onboard remote or were you able to onboard before I did I I was doing some work with anthropology starting in December uh, a few months prior and then I officially came on board in February I would tell you that having even just a few months in the office 
and meeting people was invaluable. And I really very much, I have a lot of empathy and I have a lot of sympathy also for people who have to onboard a totally remote environment because it's not easy to jump into a new job on a good day. And it's uh, exceptionally hard when you're jumping into it when things are as uncertain as, as we all lived through over the past couple of years with COVID. So you were consulting before you joined. How did, were you between roles? Was it something you were doing? No, I was called to take on this this role and I was excited to take this on. But we it was a new company for me. It was a new team for me and it was a new industry because they really wanted me to focus on the home division when I first started and putting together a strategy in place to really grow our home business. Um, and for a living is what we call it internally and, and what our emails go out as. But our home was one that people love the products we have in home. We have some famous items in our home space, including the special gleaming primrose mirror that's on every TikTok and an influencer influencer wall. But we didn't have a, a solid and we didn't have a, a completely comprehensive strategy about how we were going to grow that business. Leveraging digital. I will say leveraging digital. I think we had a very strong strategy and we had great product that people loved, but we weren't getting enough people to know about it. And we realized that in order for us to grow and grow um, to the level that we wanted, we needed to make sure more people knew about our home business. So it actually was very perfect timing, frankly, because we put together in literally 90 days, a very strong go-to-market strategy on how we were going to grow our home business, leaning into digital first. And, And that actually culminated on February 27th of 2020, with the launch of our Instagram, one of many tactics in our plan that was fully dedicated to Anthro Living, which when you think about it, that was literally two weeks before um, the world closed and the, the whole world was looking for more things home. So yes, it was that was my, my first foray. Uh, and then I came on board formally and officially mid-February as uh, Chief Marketing Officer for all of Anthropology. The Anthro Home makes up, it's a growing part of the business. Is that probably the fastest growing area? Because I know Anthropology has a lot of different categories. Yeah, I would say that all of our areas have growth potential and we try to maximize each of those opportunities. At the time, we have a very strong decor business. Many people knew about the brand overall. Many people enter the brand through what we call our gifting and entertaining in that category, which is the cafe labels and the tabletop and the, the oven mitts and the dish towels. And those are wonderful and they're giftable and they have an emotional quality to them. But we knew there was a lot more that our customers wanted uh, and were willing to try with us. And we knew that because we had it in survey data, we had it in focus groups, and we knew that the customer was open to more things beyond just um, those small items that that are dotted around their home. You started out in fashion, right? So Elizabeth started at Saks Fifth Avenue, you have experience at J.Crew, then you took a a pivot to beauty, and then back to now anthropology, which is a culmination of lots of different things. But tell me about your career journey and that jump from fashion to beauty. Yeah, I think as you mentioned, it's always been rooted in retail and always been very much rooted in consumer. And those two things have have always been passions for me. And when I say retail, I don't mean just stores and also online. And then I think with the areas, the functions that I always get, you know, jazzed up about is really what is what is the creativity? How is the brand? What makes that brand unique? And that's something that we took very we took that very seriously at J Crew. Um, when I was at J Crew, it was a very high growth time for the brand. It was a very exciting time to be with the brand. That's when, when I was there is when we developed Madewell as a brand. When I was there, we developed Crew Cuts for children when I was there. So it was definitely a moment of very strong creativity with an amazing team that actually was willing to work together and, and harbor things through, which was phenomenal. And then I think the last, the last element, the creativity coupled with data inspiration and that data inspiration, I'm, I'm very careful not to, not to, not to suggest or to suppose that all of our business needs to be data-driven. 
I think data-driven is actually a mission because data by definition is only historical. You can only look at historical. And yes, you can do predictive modeling and yes, you can do all the algorithms. And, and, and yes, that's all very, that's very useful and that's very important for marketers in general. But ultimately, if you're in the business to, to excite somebody, if you're in the business to surprise somebody, the surprise is going to be just that. It's going to be a surprise because there may not be any data to support it, but you're actually leading the customer to what they're going to be excited to, to experience next. I really like that. So what would you say is the best indicator of future behavior? If you had to pick, or maybe not one thing, but what would you say is something that you look at as that, where's the consumer going? Where's the behavior going? Yeah, we look at how is she shopping? Like which channels, how, not just channels in terms of transaction, but how is she actually learning about your brand? And as we've all learned in marketing over the past several years, is that the, the customer journey that ends in a transaction starts much earlier upstream. And there's so many more points at which you need to connect with the consumer. And I think that the other element to this is that you need to be connecting in ways that are going to be meaningful and emotional and not just transactional. And if you can start connecting at the meaningful and the emotional, then you will eventually start grabbing hold of their heart and eventually they will also want to shop with you. Mm -hmm. And when you went to, when you took the leap to beauty, was it a culture shock? Was it less scary than you thought it would be? I laugh and I speak to friends of mine who had been there for a long time and, and people who told me after I'd been there for a number of years, they said that was a job that I don't know if I would have had the stomach to jump into because a brand new role. Um, working with, but not for, and, and, and they not working for me with the very, very senior leaders across each of the brands for North America. So think of the head of North America, Estee Lauder, the head of North America, Clinique, the head of North America, Matt, the head of North America, Bobby Brown. And all of these had amazing history in terms of their beauty backgrounds and often history and, and experience at Estee Lauder companies itself. And here I come in without any beauty background, formal beauty background. I had not been trained in this area formally. I had been, I had experience obviously in retail. I had experience in consumer. I was always a, a data inspired marketer, but I didn't have real uh, core experience mm -hmm. in, this, in this function, in this category. And I was coming in at a very senior level. So I would tell you if I had known when I was jumping into, I probably would have not jumped in because it was a little scary. But I will tell you the thing that made me want to jump and I remember this very distinctly it was when I was meeting with my, who soon became my boss afterwards. And I remember coming home that day and I said to my husband, he said, how did your meeting go? And I said, and this person is the head of the president of Estee Lauder companies in North America, the whole half of the entire global business. And he said, how did your meeting go? And I said, you know what? It went really well. I really would like to work for her. And it was interesting because that has been for me a, a trait that I've tried to carry with me which is a memory that you don't work for companies, you work for people. And for me, that was something that was really important because I was not working for Estee Lauder companies. I thought I could work for this person. Mm -hmm. And I had the trust and, and she had an impeccable reputation. Thea Breen had an impeccable re reputation that I knew that I could both want to support her. And I, I saw her vision of what she was looking to do and I wanted to be on board. So then it worked out. So it all worked out well. I wonder if you could give some advice. So, so say somebody is jumping ship on the industry that they've been in, the only thing they have experience in and trying to do something new. What would you suggest they do their first 60 to 90 days in that role? First and foremost, stay humble. Recognize that no matter how expert you are in the role that you came from, 
you are a newbie in this new role. Mm -hmm. And, and people need to want to help you because you're going to need their help. So to the extent that you need to understand that you need to work through and with people, even if they don't work for you or you don't work for them, you always need to think about how you're going to work through and with people and, and making people want to inspire, inspire you to learn what they know and, and, and bring them along as well in terms of what your remit is, what you are out to do and how you can actually be a help to them. I think that is a lesson that I've had to learn over the years. I think that early in my career, I think a lot of us think that if you do a really good job and you deliver on time and you deliver what you're supposed to deliver, that is, that is the scope of your role and you should get high marks for that. And I think as you get more and more senior, you realize that your role and your effectiveness is less about what you actually can do yourself mm-hmm. and what you can accomplish yourself, but it's actually what you can galvanize the organization to accomplish and really you know, go beyond where they even think they can go themselves as a group and as an individual. That is really good advice. I think as one of the things from our mentor program, when we capture kind of areas people are looking to grow in, executive influence is a big one. And I think that what you just described is the difference between kind of commanding leadership and influencing through people and collaboration. So that's really good. And so you're now in this role. Tell us what you oversee as CMO at Anthropology. What are the kind of marketing functions? Sure. So I oversee our direct-to-consumer business, our e-commerce business. Uh, obviously in partnership with my merchant partners and such. Uh, I oversee customer analytics and and data insights. I oversee our brand marketing, which is our go-to-market strategy, our camp. I oversee our sort of creative brand um, elements, inclusive of sort of collateral and such. And then then I oversee our sort of our voice, our brand voice, our, our copy and our brand voice. And has there been, I want to talk about the Mother's Day campaign. Has there been a campaign of this level for you since you started in the role two and a half years ago? Has, is this one unique in a certain way? I'm glad you asked that question. I think that we have always been really good at bringing amazing product that you can't find anywhere else into an environment that is an amazing environment unlike anything else. And, and that's what we've always done really well. And where I think that we have done a lot better over the last couple of years is actually have that hold together beyond just the physical environment. And by that, I have that also be something that, that both our associates and our employees, as well as our customers can connect with. I would say that we started doing something to this with our holiday campaign. And our holiday campaign was based on all aglow. The idea that this year it's all aglow, get out there again, celebrate, be, be together with friends. And then we came back with the spring season, this past spring season, with a campaign all rooted in dresses, realizing that people were dressing up again. But the theme with the dress campaign, which I'm really proud of the team for coming up with, is a dress for every. And that idea of how can we be and how can we show uh, inclusivity as one of, our, one of the tenets of our brand? And how do we show that when it's coming to dresses? So when we think about a dress for every, it was a dress for every invitation, destination, inspiration. It was also dressed for every size, standard, plus. And it finally was addressed for every, for every community. We think about our dresses for our community, both internally, as well as our dresses for our community externally. And we really wanted to invite our community, our own associates, to participate in this campaign. So we actually you know, created content featuring our own community wearing our dresses and, and including that as part of our social engagement posts. And it's amazing because some of those posts were our most engaged of all because they really did celebrate our own people both in terms of likes, in terms of comments, our own, it, it's, it's a real feel-good factor when your company good enough about you that they want to feature you 
on their platform that's going out to 4.4 million uh, followers on a daily basis. Yeah, I I think it's it's such a good move and it's something we're seeing a lot of just the blurring lines between consumer brand and employer brand. And I think the companies that are really future-proofing themselves are already that line is gone and they're those two worlds are very in in harmony with each other. How is that for you guys? Is that something that's just new for the brand and your team is really working to infuse that moving forward in every campaign? The importance of the employees is definitely not new for us. I feel very honored and, and humbled to work for an organization that really does uh, put its its employees uh, and our field teams at a high priority. And, and I felt the same way that I see a lot of companies, honestly. It was very much the same feeling. So I think that that is, is one element that is good and we already have that in place. I would say that how we, how we provide them, them tools and how we provide them ways that they can be part of these campaigns in a bigger way is something that we're working on. And that's a relatively newer part of our, of our brand and our go-to-market strategies. But I think it is important. And I think that there is a lot of positive, positive feeling back and forth when these campaigns come to life. As I, as I think I said earlier, or maybe before we were talking earlier, you know, I always try to think, how does somebody feel after we've had an interaction with them, whether that's a consumer or it's an associate? And if you could have them feel in a way that that evokes um, trust, that invokes confidence, that invokes inspiration, that evokes them wanting to be part of you in some way, shape, or form going forward even more, then with every single touch point, you are actually reinforcing and you're building on a connection that is going to just transcend any sense of loyalty that we know. And on the heels of how they shine campaign launching, has there been anything like now knowing what what your team has learned throughout this campaign launch process, is there anything you would have done differently or maybe something that was insightful and unexpected that you learned along the way? Oh, I'm glad you mentioned it. How they shine is our Mother's Day campaign. And I will note that those words were chosen very specific. How they shine is to really celebrate once again in, in the vein of inclusivity is to celebrate all mom and mom-like features, mom-like mentors in your life, mom-like beings in your life. So we realize that to mom means to nurture. It means to, to support. It means to champion. It means all those wonderful attributes. And we wanted to make sure we celebrated all moms. And, and it doesn't necessarily have to be one's a natural birth mother or one's, one's mom in the natural sense. It can also be someone that just was a mom figure to them. So I think that in terms of what we learned, it's just rolled out. So it just went live not very long ago. I think we will probably learn a lot more from it. What I hope we learn is that this connects with people in a way um, that is much more emotional and less about the giftable aspect of it and more about the emotional aspect of it. Because if we can continue to always reinforce us connecting with our consumers and our employees in an emotional way and in a caring way, then ultimately we will be a brand of choice. And, and from there, we will be, we will be a brand of choice also from a financial standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. And so is this, is, are you considering how they shine as a true brand campaign? And then there's probably some e-commerce activation elements to that. Yeah. It, it's our mother's day campaign. That is an omni-channel campaign. We have marketing in our stores. We have marketing outside of our stores. We have marketing, we have marketing on our website. We have dedicated Mother's Day gift shops. We have marketing on our social platforms. So it is a full all-inclusive uh, campaign. And we really took the, what we had done so well, and not just, I say so well in terms of, I don't mean that to be self-congratulatory, that more about how we worked together as a team mm-hmm. 
and as a brand of bringing something to life cross-functionally. And we did that for us very well in the holiday season. And those are the same ways we're, we, we are activating against Mother's Day for this holiday season. And speaking of omnichannel, I'm curious your thoughts, uh, Elizabeth, on just the, the hybrid experience, the hybrid shopping experience. Because again, anthropology is really known for that discovery element, that being in the store, something that is not easy to replicate in the e-commerce environment, but we're faced with lots of challenges for the retail industry. We have the rise of e-commerce getting even more prominent, D2C. How are you thinking about that all as CMO and that? What does that look like for the consumer? Yeah, I think that it's really important to be very clear what you want to achieve with each channel. And it's very different based on the consumer. And even the same consumer might have different interests. The same consumer could be going into a store on an afternoon of a Saturday afternoon with their mom or their aunt or their child. And they might want a whole hour of browsing and trying on and smelling every candle and sitting in every couch. And that's fantastic. We, we invite that. We celebrate that. But that very same consumer might be going on April 15th looking for a graduation dress for her daughter and she needs to get that in five days and she might be going online looking and going into the online search box looking for white graduation dress and we need to respond to her for what she needs at that moment online in a very different way than what she what the experience that was she was seeking just two weeks earlier in her store so we think about it in a very personalized way I will tell you that there's benefits for both channels there's benefits in, in both arenas. I think in our stores, and you said it perfectly earlier, it's really about discovery. How do I bring her in to the anthropology world? It's, it's amazing how people say, I love your store so much, I wish I could live there. Like we hear this all the time. That's exactly what we want to hear. And even if she walks out and she doesn't buy a thing, we've still succeeded. If she wants to live in this environment, we have succeeded. Yeah. A trick to that store is brand building, in my opinion. Like I feel, yeah, that's exactly. it's, it's just very, the merchandising, the, the thought that goes into that feeling you get. It's pretty incredible. It, it's absolutely that. And, and that is, once again, a very team effort. Visual teams, the merchants who choose what goes into the store. It's our head of store sales to make sure that our service is going to also deliver on that 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 wonderful feeling that you get when you first walk in the doors. It's the signage, it's the fixtures and how they're merchandised. It's all the above, but that is the all-encompassing experience that you get. And then when you go online, then I think about what are the benefits I can offer online that are not as easy to to show in store. Mm -hmm. And those things that I can show online are, back to our example of the white graduation dress, in, in online, I could also show very clearly and very easily how one could wear it, what they should wear it with. What are the items that I'd want to dress it up with? What are the items I'd want to dress it down with? I can show things in a much easier way and I can show multiple ways of things because I can have those as visuals and that's important. The other thing that you can see online that's not as easy to see in store is actual customer feedback. What, did the, other, what do other customers think of this? What are their ratings and reviews of this product? How does this fit? Too small, too large, short? All of those comments are important that you can see online that you don't get that same level of visibility uh, in store. And then finally, we have a much, much wider assortment online. We could never carry the thousands and thousands of SKUs that right. we can in our online store as we do, as we, we don't, we cannot carry all mm -hmm. those items in our in-store as we can in our online store. So offering the customer a much broader range of choice, including in categories that may not be available in our own stores, such as plus or shoes, those are also big benefits that a customer who uh, shops online will receive. 
And in terms of social, you mentioned earlier of this mirror and kind of the influencer impact on products that anthropology carries. What would you say is probably the biggest area that you're excited about exploring and, and experimenting with social? Oh, gosh. Social is so interesting and it changes so quickly. I remember when I first started, we asked our customers, how interested were you in TikTok? And basically many of them weren't that interested at all. And now it's one of our, the channels that we're really focused on learning more and also testing more into. So I think it really, it's really exciting. I think for us, social is about trying new things. It could be trying doing a video. We, we actually have virtual, virtual sessions, virtual, virtual experiences online that people can actually shop from. So those are all things that we're trying and then we can serve them up in social. We can serve them up on our- Like a uh, live shopping? Like a live shopping. Ooh, yeah. We just tested that's it. That's exciting. Yeah. So these are all sort of things that we're tested in, that we're testing into. I think the biggest shift in terms of what marketers need to be comfortable with is they need to be comfortable with not being perfect. And that's a scary thing. Mm -hmm. Yes, we should always do the best we can. Absolutely. We never want to put something in market that we are not proud of from a branding standpoint, from a content standpoint, from um, a visual, a visual quality standpoint. But in terms of what consumers connect with, they don't, what they connect with is not as polished as it used to be. It's not so long form anymore. It's not so formal anymore. In fact, TikTok has taught that they want quick little snippets of something that's going to make me smile and laugh and I'm going to share it. And that's exactly what, what they came to market with a platform that did just that. So for us as marketers, it's, it's constantly testing ourselves and training ourselves to be comfortable with not being perfect in times, Mm -hmm. but always trying new things and seeing what's going to start to connect because what seems like something that is not at all going to be resonating with the customer today in two years time could be one of your fastest growing social channels. Exactly. And what about on the influencer side, any kind of trends or anything you guys are seeing that you would share um, with the community as far as where that space has changed a lot? I think when we look at influencers and the relationships that brands would have, say, three to five years ago, it is a lot different now. I think the big change, if I think back three to five, to seven years ago, mm-hmm. I think it started as thinking of influencers as basically a, an alternative to the celebrity. Mm-hmm. And you thought about a big A-level celebrity, I'm going to work with an A-level celebrity and I'm going to have them be my, my social face, my face in social or a, a face that I can use and I, I can push out across multiple channels. And I think what's happening now is that we're all looking for brand part who can really emulate what our brand stands for and, and truly be people who already love our brand. That's the remit that, that our head of marketing always challenges her team with, of find me people who already love my brand mm-hmm. because then I can turn that love into something because it's already authentic. If it's not authentic on day one, you're not going to make it authentic with a contract. So you need to find something that's already authentic. And then from there, we build on that. We build on that scale. We build the scale based on the authenticity. Less partners, but stronger, more authentic um, because people are just seeing right through it. So I think, I think that's always a fascinating space. And TikTok has just raised so many new creators. I think the democratization of what makes an influencer has drastically changed and opened the door in a good way for brands. I don't know if you're seeing the same thing. Absolutely. I think that every person who has a TikTok channel, which Mm -hmm. is a lot of people, they, they're thinking about building their own brand and they're thinking of themselves as building a brand. And whether that be just a brand for personal use or a brand for potentially commercial use, that's, that doesn't have to be decided right now. A lot of these things are 
are not set out with a business plan in motion. They're set right. out just doing what they love to do. And then before that, someone picks them up and, and then it's how they connect. It goes back to what we said at the very beginning was how do people make other people feel? And if you can tap into how other people feel, then you will find a path to, yep. to make this a commercial venture. Yeah. I actually started my TikTok. I have one video on there. Go follow me guys. It's, it's exciting content with my twins. <laughs> I'm one video. <laughs> I, I would um, also say that our influencers, we think about influencers, not only in the traditional sense, we think about our own employees as influencers. Absolutely. So I, I don't mean that in terms of the capital I and you know, they're all posting for us. It's more that they are ambassadors. They are emulating our brand, they, they work in our stores, they work in our fulfillment center, they work in our call center, they work in our home office, they personify the brand in many ways. And we want all people associated with the brand to feel confident and proud of being part of the brand. And then there's influencers in the form of collaborations. You know, we actually partner with select brands. We just launched a partnership recently with Mark Sykes, who is a you know, well-regarded, revered home designer, interior designer. And that's a partnership with a product line um, that we co-collaborated and designed with him. And he's an influencer in his own right. So I think that the term influencer almost goes back to its core, which is influencing others. And some actually take this as a career and some take it as just how they go about their, their work and their day. Mm -hmm. But everyone does have influence. Everyone has a sphere of influence and how we use that sphere of influence for not only commercial ventures, but also for, for, for giving back ventures mm -hmm. and, and philanthropic efforts and making sure that we are, are celebrating other elements of our brand and in our community. That's important to us too. Yeah, I love that ties back to your leadership advice of what did you, how did you say it, Elizabeth, in working with and through people? Yeah, yeah. Love that. By the time this airs, we will have sent out notifications for all those who are being accepted into this year's program. Elizabeth is a mentor this year, which we're so glad that she's um, a part of the program. But what role has mentorship played for you? Is there any sort of specific anecdote or advice that you've been given that's helped your career? I think every boss I've ever had has given me good advice in some way, shape, or form. And it's interesting that if I go back and I look at the things that I remember the most, the things that I remember the most from people, and I, I can share a couple with you today, is the things that have less to do about my specific job and my day-to-day -day responsibilities, and more about how I can be a more effective leader, a more effective partner, a more effective listener. It's the things that are that that transcend any specific role. I have one boss. She was my boss at Estee Lauder Companies, and she shared she shared something with me that I think was really good. She said, "You want to make them happy you're coming, not happy that you're leaving." And I love that because how many times have you had a boss where you're like, "Oh my gosh, I really can't wait for them to leave because I." they just drive me crazy. They ask me all these questions and they don't appreciate what I'm doing. They don't understand my role. That's an example of, okay, you, you are not really um, being an effective leader if they'd rather you not be there. Mm -hmm. That's not going to inspire confidence or inspire that above and beyond work ethic that you probably yourself give to your company. And that's not going to inspire that out of them. So I think remembering things like that, make them feel as though you're happy that you're coming. And, and not that you're happy that you're leaving, I think is a great one. Yeah, we're going to include that, that advice as we kick off the program to make sure it's not just focused on your role. That's only half the equation. It's all about personally, professionally, how you lead, how you manage your own career. Any advice you would have for those who are on the path to CMO? Maybe they don't even know it yet, right? They're, they're a marketer. Maybe that's yeah. in their future. Maybe not. What would be one piece of advice for those individuals? 
Oh, first and foremost, I'm a big believer in staying curious, especially in marketing today. Just saying we tried that, it didn't work. That does not mean that it will not work in six months time. Mm -hmm. Um, Always stay curious. Always, always seek out what might be new and next. It's so, it's changing so quickly. The industry, whatever industry you're in is, I feel like every industry is in a disruption mode right now. Every industry is trying to figure out how do I pivot into this new normal. As people are coming back to the stores, as people are coming back to traveling again, it's not exactly the way it was pre-COVID. So something has shifted and understanding not necessarily the, it's not important to necessarily know exactly how it's going to land, but it's very important that you stay open and stay checking in and learning along the way as to what is, what are the shifts you're seeing? And for us, we see that our customer, they more than ever want to, want to be engaged with the brand. It doesn't mean necessarily they're going to be buying every mm-hmm. day, but they want to be engaged. They want to have that inspiration. They want to see what it's like to be in a store, even if they can't get to one or they don't want to get to one. They love those elements of feeling that they're part of the anthropology uh, community and the anthropology um, world. Space and world. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I think um, curiosity has to be the number one answer to skills of future CMOs, must-have skills. Is there anything else you can think when you think of CMOs of the future, what are those skills they're going to need to have? What would be one other one? I think the other one, which is thanks to the evolution and thanks to thanks to direct-to-consumer business being so important, you need to have a very proficient analytical skill set. You don't need to be expert but you need to be very proficient. And even if you have great, fantastic people on your team, you need to understand and you need to have a critical mind so that you can know when to push, when to question, when to see that there's more opportunity that may have not even been explained, may not even have been realized yet. You need to have strong uh, quant skills Mm -hmm. because those elements are important no matter what. I mean, it, it is a financial industry and it's a much more metric driven industry than it ever has been before when it comes to direct to consumer and it comes to the e-commerce side of the business and even the social side. It's making sure that what does good look like? How do you evaluate good? Not Mm -hmm. only from a visual component, but also from a, from an engagement component and knowing what you're aiming for. So I would say that those having an analytical proficiency, you may not need to be expert. You will have partners for that, but you need to have an analytical proficiency. And then I think the last thing you need is you need to really want to inspire. Like you need to have that like crazy permissive permission to dream and say, oh my gosh, how big could this be? Mm -hmm. You know, I remember when I first came on board and one of the things that had been a topic was our ratings and reviews. We hardly had any ratings and reviews at all in the whole site. Wait, how how could this happen? And they said, well, we only get this many every day. And I said, well, put together a plan. I'd love to review a plan on how you're going to increase your ratings and reviews. They come back, they said, we have a great idea. We're going to do all these things and we're going to increase our ratings and reviews by 20%. And I said, I'm going to challenge you to double them, not just 20%. And I think having, there's few things, I'd rather do few things and I'd rather the team work on fewer things, but for much bigger gains mm-hmm. than a whole bunch of things for little gains. So I, I think we need to think audaciously. We need to be centered on, 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 on empathy and we need to have that combination come alive. And, and through that is both an engaged team as, as well as an engaged consumer. 
I love that. We just, we recently had Carolyn Dawkins, CMO of Clinique. Her mantras was think audaciously. And that's something she embeds within her team as well. Not agree more. Like think big. Cause you know, it'll always get edited down. You might as well go big. (laughs) Right. I mean, like aim for plus, aim for hundred percent growth and then you'll be thrilled. And then if you end with 75% growth, you're still going to feel like a winner. Mm-hmm. But if you think, I, I was talking to somebody earlier today, I was like, think monumental, not incremental. What are the monumental things we can do to make a real difference in our business? And how do we get everyone aligned with those monumental impact? That monumental impact could result in X. Mm-hmm. And if everyone's focused on that monumental, we'll get where we want to get a lot faster than if we're constant, constantly focusing on the incremental. Elizabeth, we're going to wrap up with uh, a little bit of a quick fire for you. Okay. So I'm going to hit you okay. with some, some of my final questions. Okay. Are you a cat person or a dog person? I'm a dog person. What kind? I have a little <laughs> schnauzer poodle mix schnoodle called Lucy. Oh, I love, yes. I love dogs with, with regular people names, by the way. A favorite social media platform. Oh gosh. TikTok, of course, is just a little. It's just you know, fun. It's like page six. You gotta, <laughs> look, gotta love it. You can't look away from TikTok. Right, right, um, right. What's the last thing you watched on streaming? Maybe a, the last series. Oh gosh. Oh, you know what? Inventing Anna. Ooh, Ooh. I've heard good things. Yes. It was good. I have not seen it. Okay. And last place you traveled to. Oh gosh. Last place I traveled to. Last place I had a great travel to was Copenhagen last, uh, last Labor Day weekend. And I'm traveling to Paris, taking my mom who turned 80 to Paris in two weeks time. So that's my next one. That's awesome. Well, I hope you have a blast with your mom. And then this is truly the final question. What's the the secret dream job of Elizabeth Price? What would you be doing if you were not the CMO of anthropology? I would be a non-professional baker. I would. I I love that. That that takes the pressure away from it completely. I'll be a (laughs) non-professional baker. I actually was very proud of myself. I entered my carrot cake into a county fair and I was a blue ribbon winner. And that's right. I won $2.50. Um, so that was very exciting for me. And, and I say won $2.50, but bragging rights that were forever. Oh, that's awesome. I love carrot cake. Elizabeth, thank you so much for taking time out with us to be here today. We're going to be sure to include some of the really sharp visuals from the Mother's Day campaign so everybody can check it out. And again, thank you for being here. And I look forward to having you as part of the mentor program this year. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. All right. Take care. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, we'd love your help in sharing CMO moves with one of your friends or colleagues. And please also be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. Better yet, leave us a review while you're at it. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.